Hello, and welcome to the Thriving After Surviving podcast. My name is Kevin Murphy. I'm the author of the book, Surviving Cancer After Surviving Cancer. I wrote that book to help people handle the emotional side of uh, cancer. Uh, But now I'm taking what I learned uh, throughout uh, the country in speaking with cancer patients, and, and I realized that this could help a lot of other people, not just with cancer, but who are suffering from a trauma, uh, from an accident, sexual assault, they all come with emotional issues, anxiety, fear, stress. And so I want to discuss these things on this podcast so that we learn how to cope with them. And more importantly, that there's help out there and you can get help. And you can have people assist you in dropping the uh, sack of potatoes from your shoulder uh, with all those emotional demons and get through this and have a great life, which is why it's called Thriving After Surviving. The Phyllis Foundation is sponsoring this podcast, and I appreciate that. I appreciate the donations to that foundation. If you would like to donate to the Phyllis Foundation, you can do so at P.O. Box 560, Union, Kentucky, 41091. Today, I've got a great guest. Her name is Kathy Halloran, and she is the type of person that this podcast is going to be all about. This is a special, special lady who has helped so many people walk through the dark forest of breast cancer and come out the other side. Kathy, thanks a lot for being here. Happy to be here, Kev. So, I want you to tell me all about your organization, Chicks and Chucks. Let's start with um, why you started it and what's your mission. Okay, well, easy to tell you. Um, We started of receiving a breast cancer diagnosis. Um, Our mom had passed a couple years before my diagnosis. My sister, my brother, and I, there's three of us in the family. We basically, um, mom passed so suddenly um, that we all, the three of us felt she took part of us with her. Um, She ended up having a stroke, we we believe. And it wasn't until that day in the hospital when my sister was sitting on the edge of the bed and she said, you know what, this happened for a reason. I don't know what it is, but something good's gonna come of it. And so um, it was at that day, Kev, that I made a vow to God that I looked back, because I was faced with my own mortality at this point, because it was breast cancer. There was gonna have to be interventional therapy done, AKA chemo. And it was at that point in time, I'm thinking, I don't want my kids to feel like I do like missing my mom i'm missing out on wonderful gifts that every day are given to me but i'm so consumed with my grief that i was missing out on it and it was at that point in time on that hospital bed i said to god if you give me a second chance god i will quit feeling sorry for myself and i will do three things every single day i will wake up and i give you the glory for giving me another chance to serve you in some capacity this day I will do an act of kindness every day. Like Jesus died on the cross for my sins. He never met me. He doesn't know my family. 
but he did that as a means of allowing me to make mistakes still and be human, but to be able to give kindness to others, just as he gave to us. God creates us in his own image. Yes, we have faults, we have flaws, but we are given the privilege of making those mistakes and learning from them. So it was that point in time that instead of feeling sorry for myself for not having my mom, I want to honor my mother by doing right. And my mom was one of the most godly people I've ever met in my entire life. And third, I wanted to be that resource. I wanted to be the person that people say, let's go to Chick and find out what, what we can do. And that's where the name Chicks and Chucks came about is because growing up, my mom, much wiser than I could ever dream of being, um, called her girlfriend's chicks. Mm -hmm. So we said, what better way to honor mom is to have we started getting involved with the American Cancer Society, so we had a team of walkers, and we thought, you know what, if we seen everybody with the name Chick on their back, it would be a way of mom walking with us. Well, that's the same thing that I did. Everybody said to me, what's up with the name the Phyllis Foundation? Where'd you get that from? Uh, my mother had 11 tumors in her lifetime, and her name was Phyllis. And I thought, well, you know, I'm given this opportunity for this podcast, what better way to honor her uh, than to uh, to name the foundation because she never quit. Yeah. You know, she had a brain tumor. She had kidney cancer. She had breast lumps everywhere. So what, when did you get uh, breast cancer? What year? Uh, well, I had a clean mammogram in 2000. And then in August the 6th of 2001, um, I found the lump in July when we were moving to our new home. Um, went to the doctors for an annual exam, mentioned that I had found this lump, and I want to express to the listeners that um, majority of women have fibrocystic breasts. It just means their breasts are very dense, and it just requires uh, a diligence on doing their mammograms and breast self-exams on a regular basis. Um, because seeing a doctor once a year, you know your body better than they do. So I found this lump, I made an appointment for the doctor, they did a diagnostic exam, which meant the radiologist read the test while I was there waiting in the gown, and then nine days later, I was, in between that day and nine days later, I was seen by a surgeon who said, yes, I think it needs to come out. Went in for surgery, came out, and they said, yes, it was breast cancer. I had given the surgeon permission to remove the breast, if at all, if it was the least bit it was either black or white. I either had breast cancer or I did not. I didn't want to leave anything, any mm -hmm. stone unturned. And since I had fibrocystic breast, I had had six biopsies done at this point. Mm. So I was ready to be done. I don't feel like I'm known for my cup size or lack of cup size now. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, you know what, just take it off. The emotional toll it took on me was getting myself psyched up to think it was something. And then it turned out it wasn't. And then it was. And it wasn't. I was ready to just say, okay, God, it's in your hands, and mm -hmm. if it is, just remove the breast and allow me to live. When did you start Chicks and Chucks? Chicks and Chucks got started. We officially became a nonprofit. Our, our hatching date <laughs> is July the 18th, 2006. So we're 14 years old this year, and um, we originally got involved with making strides to raise money for their walk every year. Well, my fourth year of being a survivor, I had turned 50 years old then. And my goal was to raise $50,000, $1,000 for every year I was alive. 
well with a bunch of help from a lot of people um, we were able to raise sixty two thousand four hundred dollars gave it all away to the American Cancer Society and I'm not negating what they do I'm supporting them however uh, it was it was televised locally because that's a large amount of money for one individual to donate um, one named team to donate and so a gentleman from my church approached me John Schuchter and said you know what if you want to become a nonprofit I'll do all the paperwork for you he says I could see that you're passionate about this you want to make a difference and then that way you can earmark where the monies goes yeah. so he did all the work and so we were officially hatched on July the 18th 2006 and what's the mission of uh, chicks and chucks how do you help okay. uh, people and where do you help people uh, right now we're sitting in northern Kentucky correct do you also help people in Cincinnati I do uh, typically our, our radius is Ohio Kentucky and Indiana however I will share with you that on occasion I have sent products to Africa I have sent products to um, South America because people have reached out to me and say I have a friend who has a has a friend who has a friend you know all it's required is that they come to us and say there's a need um, we typically address those people that are referred to us by oncologists or doctors or nurses because we know the needs it, the need is there based on the rec recommendation of those professionals. And um, when you say the need, is uh, does that mean financial need? We will offset financial needs in the sense of doctor bills, co-pays, deductibles that they have to meet early in the calendar year in order to get their services uh, covered the remaining of the year. We also cover the prosthetics, the bras, and the wigs if their insurance um, does it. a lot of insurance will give you will allow you to order they don't give you anything but they will allow you to order two bras well any chick out there listening knows you need more than two bras so what we would do then is buy two more bras for that individual then so they could have feel like they had a little bit of breathing room um, so they don't have to feel like they have because it's something they need but they don't want to spend the money on themselves right. so you you um, you get people uh, to come to you that are um, recommended by their doctors doctors friends and now that I you know I basically have a following because of the website we have chicksandchucks.org that people go there and they'll see it we have a, a chick line that we were given um, that number is 513-841-6756 they can leave a request there People call me on my cell phone. People see me at Kroger's. I get asked at church. I can be doing a walk in the neighborhood. They'll come say, hey, Chuck, I need some help. Can you talk to this a friend of mine who needs um, emotional support right now? Emotional support may lead to financial support. And may need they may need a you know a wig because most insurance do not cover wigs. Really? Unfortunately, yes. So if a breast cancer patient has chemotherapy, and Correct. loses their hair, and I'm a little familiar with that. I understand uh, that that happens because I've seen it with family members. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, insurance companies won't cover wigs. Majority of insurance do not. This, and, this, you, and you help the people who can't afford to buy one. Right. Or, Kev, the other thing is, though, is that they put themselves on the bottom of the ladder of care, okay? So they would rather take care of a neighbor's dog or cat than to spend the money on a wig because they don't feel right spending that kind of money on themselves in a, hopefully a short-term situation that they're only going to wear for a short period of time. 
So we eliminate that out of the equation. It, they come to me, they, don't, they do not have to worry about which week can I afford. We allow them the opportunity to say, which week do you want? And that, that changes the whole dynamics of the week fitting because they're not sitting there thinking, I, I want that one, but I can't afford it. So what am I going to do next? You know, we're going to make sure they get those medications. We're going to make sure they can have their wigs. We're going to make sure that they have the right garments, all without involving any of their insurance. Now, the people on your board that I've had the absolute privilege of meeting, many of them have walked in the shoes of those who are in the middle of breast cancer right now, correct? Um, two of them have, that's correct. Um, my treasurer is a breast cancer survivor. We actually met when I she came in to the boutique and we, I fitted her with a wig. I'm a certified prosthetic bra and wig fitter. So she came into the boutique, I fitted her with a wig. She loved the idea about the foundation. She has been with me since the ground level from, from up. When we became a foundation, a nonprofit, then she's been our treasurer ever since. That's terrific. So That's not, awesome. not only can you help them with prosthetics, uh, wigs, but you are experienced. You've been right. through- Right, I've walked the walk so I can listen to their talk. Right. Yeah. And you've been through the dark forest and you've come out the other side. Right, and I'm not saying it's. Uh, it, I'm not saying there's nobody signs up for any kind of diagnosis. Nobody signs up to get a divorce. Nobody signs up to have their spouse pass early. Okay, but what we do sign up for is to be there for one another, to lift each other up at their darkest hour. And I think that's what the mission of Chicks and Chucks is to be that resource that offers that comfort to one who is walking through that dark, lonely forest, and they do feel lonely. There's that saying, the footprints in the sand, where God is carrying you, where you only see one set of footprints. Well, when you look, when he's carrying you, we're right behind you. So he's doing the hard work. We're just there to reinforce it and to be living witnesses of what faith can do. And the Chucks and the Chicks and Chucks. So now that's an interesting story. <laughs> so here's the deal. Um, chucks are the guys. And I was finding out I was eliminating a whole stream of revenue by not having so-called boys on in our <laughs> circle, okay? <laughs> so um, I took the I out of chicks and I put you in encompassing all of you. So that's where the chicks and chucks come into play. So men have wallets and I like to find them and I like <laughs> to take from them. And the alliteration, my sister, who is truly my best friend, and got me through everything. She went to every surgery, every doctor's visit, every chemo. She was working full time and managed to take PTO time to go with me to everything. Um, and so the alliteration of Chicks and Chucks is Kathy and Cheryl. And that means the world to me. I remember twice walking down a hallway, seeing that sign that says oncology. And I remember, like it was yesterday, uh, you know, walking down that road in Mount Sinai Hospital with my mother, um, how weak my knees got when I saw that sign. You hear about it with your neighbors, uh, you hear about it with TV, stories oh, you're bombarded with it yeah, you read about it but when it happens to you um, that walk is a very very lonely walk when 
do you t recommend to people to contact you when they, well, after they made that walk? The most important thing is, is that the patient rarely reaches out because they don't feel like they want to bother anybody. Right. Okay. So where I target my um, direction is the, the caregivers, the family members, the doctors are taking care of the patient. It's the, the, the husbands or the, the brothers or the, the sons or the daughters that the surrounding community that that patient has, those are the ones I direct and say, I want you to keep in touch with me she is not going to be able to focus she's more worried about are her numbers up what's her white count you know am i hydrating enough now i got to get a blood work tomorrow at three o'clock you and i will stay in correspondence then i give majority of the patients my cell number so they can text me i've had them where the daughter says can you please call my mom she's having a weak moment so unbeknownst to the patient we are in direct conversation during their whole journey because then I know to intervene then. I don't want to cross that line where I feel like I'm violating their privacy, but if a family member reaches out to me, I know I have permission then to go in because they don't even know what they want. You have to a lot of times beg for forgiveness as opposed to ask for permission. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. Asking for help, it's so hard for men. It's so incredibly uh, hard for men, but am I right that women they don't want to bother anybody else no they don't they're worried about their family what it's doing to their husband what it's uh, doing to their significant other uh, the impact it may have on the children right their kids schedules are going to be upturned because they're so busy now they can't put the meals on the table one important the most important things I tell the patient is that um, you have to swallow your pride pill and what that means is that you have allowed, you have got to be Christ-like. Christ died on the cross for our sins. I keep saying that, but that is, that's my driving force behind all this. Because he sacrificed himself. He did it because he knew what the rewards would be for us. You have to allow others. You know how good you feel when you do something nice for somebody? You can't deny people that love you that opportunity to do for you. When you allow that to happen, you then can focus on just yourself. So if somebody wants to make you a pot of soup, run an errand to the grocery store, it's not the fact that you're weak. You're actually much stronger than you realize because you're going against your own innate nature and saying, yes, I'll accept your help. And in the giving is when you receive the most because you are allowing them to be Christ-like. Mm -hmm. You know, I, uh, that's the one thing uh, that I've learned as I've grown older, mm -hmm. uh, I uh, didn't want to ask for help during uh, during my crisis that I explained in the last podcast, the, the opening podcast where I talked about uh, what happened uh, to, mm -hmm. to uh, my former spouse very early on in our marriage. And I was raised that way. Sure. I, I was raised that uh, nobody wants to hear about your complaints. Handle your own business. And nobody can go through this without help. Nobody. No. And what I've been trying to preach uh, is that real men ask for help. And women should too. Yes, they should. There's, no, there's nothing to be ashamed of. In fact, it shows the opportunity for others that can help you then. And we're very vulnerable. 
there's like I said before, there's not one person that signs up for any of those things, okay? But the fact of it is that there's people out there that want to help, you don't know how to ask for it. So those family members play a, a crucial role in their recovery. And when you when somebody does something and you they feel like that patient had a good day because of it, that person takes ownership in their recovery. So when they're past this and they're at the finish line and they're all waiting there for them and they're saying, you know what, maybe that bot that that uh, pot of soup I made, maybe that gave her, her numbers may have come up because she had some nourishment, or maybe it affected her attitude because I took time to write a card. Texting is great, cards are phenomenal because it shows that you took the time to go to a store, read a card, pick it out, write and message it, and send it. So if nothing else, you spend four bucks on a card and 50 cents on a stamp, so that means that that person thinks you're worth $4.50 that day, not to mention their time. And how about this? Uh, for those that might be lis listening that are in the midst of breast cancer mm -hmm. or any cancer or any other disease uh, and you're reticent uh, uh, for asking for help, um, make a deal. Make a deal that, you know, I'm going to take that pride pill and I'm going to seek help and here's what I'm going to do. Right. When I get better and I learn that I had the strength I made it, which is a great accomplishment, isn't it? it is. Oh, it, there's nothing like it. It's like winning the Super Bowl every day of your life. Right. Yeah. And then they can, they can come to an organization like yours uh, and many others around the country, and we're going to be hopefully in this podcast teaching people all over the country how to look. But then they can grab somebody by the hand. Right, and then they give back. And right. majority of the patients, that's exactly what they do. I tell them until they're out of treatment for a year, they've got to get their self together before they can offer help to others. Okay? Well, and, it's like the airplane, right? Put the uh, mask on you first, then your kid. Right, right, right. So you can be there to help them. That's exactly what it is. And I think we give them a resource to do that too. We also supply a resource book to every patient who's having a breast procedure. Um, and this was researched by nurses. And so we gave them the opportunity to create a wish list. And this was on the top of everyone in the nurses' wish list, this resource book. So we give that to every patient, whether having a lumpectomy, mastectomy, radiation, chemo, both of them, or if they just take an aromatase inhibitor, um, they're given this resource book. That is a big chunk of our budget, but the reason we prioritize that is because it's that important. It gives them opportunities to feel like, you know what, I can, I can journal these questions down or my thoughts, revisit that after I cross the finish line. I can use that as a means to give strength to somebody else because I, when I get through this, that's what I'm meant to do. Excellent. So, um, give us your website again. Yeah. It's it's all lowercase, chicksandchucks.org. And let me tell you one more thing. Sorry. Mm -hmm. You asked me on, buddy, and I, I, I got my I, lips are well I, lubricated. I'm I ready want to it all. Okay. I want it all. So chicks actually stands for cancer hurts, it can't kill spirit. And that's our motivation. That's awesome. And so we got your website. How can someone who's listening, who've been blessed with uh, a cure, who uh, wants to help. First, if, where can they send the check? Okay, it's Chicks and Chucks, P.O. Box 76166, Highland Heights, Kentucky, 41076. Very good, and finally, 
on the website, I'm certain that if they would like to volunteer for your organization, you would um, gladly accept more troops, yes? Oh, absolutely. There's open enrollment all the time. I like that. Okay. I like yeah. that. And if they go on the website, the web, uh, an email will be generated to me if they show interest. So, And then we reach out to them and we let them know when their service will be needed and maybe stuff in envelopes and maybe selling raffle tickets. You know what? The sky's the limit. So. And you know, Ralph Waldo Emerson has this great vignette, his definition of success. And right at the end, uh, I think the most profound clause in that definition is to know that one life breathed easier because you have lived. And that's what you do. So I can't thank you enough, Kathy, for coming on. Well, I'm telling you something else we have in common. Ralph Waldo Emerson also, I have it on a coin, and it states that what lies before us and lies with beneath us is what lies within our hearts. Excellent. Give me five on that one. The I same like author. It. I'm digging it, buddy. All right. So um, this organization is doing great things every day. But there's these types of organizations in every state, in Canada, all across the world. People who are uh, out of the darkness and into the light, and they want to show you the way. And they know the way only if you would let them. So th this is what we're going to do on this podcast. We're going to bring fantastic people, survivors, who are thriving because they made it and their lives are large. And that's what we want to have for you. If you're suffering, there is hope. There are great people out there. So my name is Kevin Murphy. Um, again, thank you very much. My book is Surviving Cancer After Surviving Cancer. You can see that on um, Amazon. You can uh, get that if you wish. And again, um, thanks to the Phyllis Foundation for sponsoring this and all of the people who have sent checks to the Phyllis Foundation, you have made this possible.